Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of 1 Samuel, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, do you ever make a decision and immediately regret the decision you just made? Because it's going to turn out bad for you, and you know, it's, it's like a train, and you can do nothing to stop it. Not that any of you would be thinking of winter right now, but have you ever gotten into a fun snowball fight with your children or friends, and there's that one snowball that as soon as it leaves your hand, you know it's going to get them right in the face? Like, as soon as you throw it, you are running to them, because you know that the tears are going to be coming instantly. No, that's just me. (laughs) Or maybe you have a a conversation with someone, and you say something, and the moment you open your mouth and start to speak the words, you know that it's not going to end well, and you probably should not have said it. Sometimes the decisions we make that we regret, we we don't often feel them instantly like that. Maybe it doesn't happen until the next day, or even later. You wake up, you realize that maybe you shouldn't have had as much to drink last night. Or maybe you begin to realize that the career path that you've chosen has left you completely unfulfilled. You start to question your life, your life choices the people you surround yourself with, who you trust, who you open up to, where you're headed in life. Maybe sometimes you're not even sure if you can fix it or if you even want to fix it. Sometimes the biggest regrets that we have aren't the things that we even do or say. Sometimes it's the things that we don't do or don't say. How many of us have ever had people in our lives where we wanted to have a conversation with them, tell them something, and then we never opened our mouth, and they were gone before we had the chance? As a pastor, I I sometimes have a special privilege of being in people's lives at their best, and at their worst. Being able to stand up with a couple on their wedding day with all the joy surrounding it, only to see them years later and hear that it's over. They're ending their marriage. Being able to visit a newborn, see an infant welcomed into the Lord's family through the waters of baptism. to sitting with a mother who just had a miscarriage, who will never be able to bring their child. Being able to take the Lord's Supper to someone who is not able to come to church anymore, and then being at their bedside while they're dying, seeing their family gather around them, seeing a family being able to share everything they've wanted to share with them, 
sometimes we get the chance to do that. Sometimes we don't. Because there are those who pass away. We, we never took the opportunity to tell them how we feel. To talk about the things that truly matter the most. To have one more time to tell them that we love them. And that can lead us to regret. And then we get messages from others, from the world, telling us that we should live our life with no regrets. I mean, since you can't change the past, you just need to, to try and learn from it. See it as a lesson. You only live once, so don't dwell on the past. You can only move forward. Now, it is true that sometimes it's, it's much easier to look back at our life and see what we could have done differently. And sure, we can't change the past. We can only try and move forward from it, maybe grow from it, regardless of whether or not that's something easy to do. But if you have ever made a bad decision, something that you did or said, something that you didn't do or didn't say, and you still think about it to this day, is it okay to have regrets? Well, let's take a step back and, and actually ask, what, what is regret? Well, regret is feeling sorrow or remorse for an act, a fault, a disappointment. It's a sense of loss, disappointment, dissatisfaction. I think if we just take that definition as it is, I think that all of us had, have had regret at some point in our life. I mean, when we come together and we have a time of repentance, when we have a time of confessing our sins, what else is it other than us telling God all of our mistakes, all of our faults, all of our sins, all of our regrets? To live life with no regrets is to, to say that you're perfect. And I don't know that any of us are perfect. Well, in fact, I know we're not. The only one who is perfect is God. And as we see in our Old Testament reading, even God has regrets. Last week, we saw God choose Saul as king. Even though he was not happy that the people of Israel asked for a king because it meant that they had rejected him as their true king and leader, ruler of their lives. God also warned Israel of what it would mean to have a king, that he would essentially make them slaves. But they didn't care because they wanted to be like all of the other nations. Well, what ends up happening? Saul does not listen to the word of the Lord. He does not follow God's commands. He does not walk in the ways of the Lord. And God says to Samuel, the one who anointed Saul as king, the one who had served God all of his days, he said, I regret that I made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Now it's interesting to hear that God has regret. Because sometimes when we think about regret, we think about it in the context of mistakes. Sometimes we even see regret as acknowledging our sin. And we can easily say that if God is perfect and holy, then he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't sin. So if we view regret more as that sorrow, that disappointment, that dissatisfaction, the sense of loss, 
some of those human emotions and feelings that we go through and not regret as sin, then it would make sense to say that God has regrets. This is not the first time we've heard God having regrets, though. The first time happens in Genesis chapter 6. When the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great, their heart was only evil continually, and he regretted that he had made man on the earth. God looked at the world, and he was disappointed with it, dissatisfied with their evil. He felt sorrow over his people. God just wanted the best for his people. And they decided that he wasn't what was best for them. So he decided to wipe them out, saving only a few, eight in total. Noah and his wife and his three sons and their three wives. When God appointed Saul as king, he wanted the best for his people. And Saul did not follow his ways. And so God regretted making Saul king. He felt this sense of loss for the kingdom of Israel. And if God has regrets, I think it's okay if we have regrets. It's just a matter of what we do with that regret. In the story of Saul, God rejects him as king. And this doesn't make Samuel happy, but he really should have seen it coming because he himself had already told Saul that because he had disobeyed God, his kingdom was not going to continue. And so God's response was that he was going to seek out a man after his own heart. And what this means is he wasn't going to be looking for your stereotypical king, which if you remember with Saul, Saul was tall. He was head and shoulders above everybody else, and he was handsome. He had the look of a king. So now God tells Samuel to go to Jesse in Bethlehem because the new king is going to be found among his sons. And so he goes, and Jesse brings out his sons, and Samuel looks at one of them, probably looking similar to Saul, and he's got that kingly appearance, handsome and tall. And God says, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The attractiveness of a man doesn't make him right for the job. That's the lesson with Saul. It's the heart that matters. Saul's heart was not set on the Lord. God was going to find someone whose heart was set on him. And that did not happen with any of the seven sons that Jesse had brought forward. There was only one son left, the youngest, the one working as a shepherd. David, the last brother, the least of the brothers, is brought forward, and God's like, that's the one. Anoint him. And David is anointed as king by Samuel, and the Spirit of the Lord was upon David from that day forward. A man that was chosen not because of his outward appearance, but because of what could not be seen. A man that was chosen out of God's regret, his sorrow. A man that was chosen as king because the current king did not walk in God's ways. And in the next number of weeks, we're going to be looking at the life of David a man after God's own heart. When you look at your life, do you find yourself more like Saul or like David? 
one who does not follow in the ways of God, that God, that causes God to have regret, sorrow over you and your sins? Or are you someone who's after God's own heart, who follows his ways, who seeks to do his will? Do you see yourself as someone God has rejected? Or do you see yourself as someone God has chosen? Can both of them be true about you? The answer is yes. And this is the dynamic that we live in daily for all of us who believe. This is living our lives as a sinner, but also as a saint. This is what baptism calls the, the old Adam and the new man. We're sinners. None of us can deny that. Sin causes regret. And in regret, what does God do? Nothing. He just dwells in the past? No. In rejection, does God wipe out everyone? No. With hardened hearts, like the Pharisees that we heard about in the gospel reading, does God just take them out? No. While our sin is God's sorrow and his regret, and while what we deserve for our sin is to be wiped out like the people of Noah's time, because we do not deserve to be saved, rather we deserve to be destroyed, because none of us are good, we are all wicked, like all of the generations before us, we deserve hell. We deserve death. But in rejection and in regret with our heart and hearts in our sin, God saves. God saves Noah and his family. God will choose David, a man after God's own heart, to replace Saul. And in your regret and in your rejection, God comes to you to save you. And that's why Jesus came, to reconcile us to himself, as the New Testament reading says. He came to be rejected for you, to bear the weight of your sin, your regret, your burdens, your mistakes, your failures, and to place them on himself and to nail them to the cross. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. And as Christ breathes his last on the cross, it doesn't end with his death. Because Christ was the only one who could save us. He was the only one who could rescue us from sin, death, and the devil. Because where we were imperfect, Christ was perfect. Where we failed, Christ succeeded. Where we could not live up to God's commands and follow his ways, Christ did it flawlessly. He kept the law perfectly. And because he was the great shepherd of his sheep, the king of kings and lord of lords, he rose from the dead. And in doing so, he brings us the forgiveness of our sins. He brings the promise of eternal life for all who believe. But he doesn't just leave us on our own. No, he never leaves us on our own. He is always with us, and he's given us his Holy Spirit to create faith in us to give us the gift of believing and to help us lead our lives that are holy and pleasing to him, to be people after God's own heart. Will we stumble and fail? Yes. 
Will we have regrets? Yes. But we are reminded that in Christ we are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. The old has been drowned in the waters of baptism. The new man rises up. Now that old still fights to come to the surface time and time again. But the war, the battle with our sinful nature, our sinful self, has been won on the cross once and for all. Sin, death, and the devil have been defeated. But until Christ comes again, those three will stand and will be present in our lives. So there may be regret and failure and sin, but Christ leads us. His Holy Spirit guides us so that we are able to put our faith, our hope, our trust in him, that we're able to praise the one who brings us salvation, to be people after God's own heart. God regretted choosing Saul as king. But the one thing that he doesn't regret is dying for you. If there's anything he wants you to know, it's that. It's that he loves you so much that he did everything in his power, giving up his life to give you life, eternal life rising from the dead to rescue you from eternal death. And he called you by name in baptism as his dearly loved child, marked you as one redeemed by him, reconciled to him. He gave you forgiveness, gave you salvation here in the font and there on the cross. You are his. And that's who you are. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.